Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys podcast here on the Believe Entertainment Network. The network for professional podcasters. Brought to you by betonline.ag. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline for game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always the online casino as well. It never closes, so head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook. Paul Catalina, Orlando Skandrick, former Cowboys cornerback, alongside in Orlando. Uh, we talked earlier this week about the crazy, crazy game that was the 40-39 win over the Falcons, that things like that don't happen that often. Uh, they got the win. They're not 0-2. They're 1-1, which is a lot better for a team's confidence. But things don't get easier as they're playing a red-hot Seahawks team on offense this week. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this one, but but there are some scary matchups. Yeah, um, looking forward to this. This will be a game of two dynamic offenses and two defenses with a lot to prove. I think both defenses have very, very talented players on them. Yeah, I. Uh, you mentioned this. I, I don't know if it was last week or this week, but you mentioned that defenses don't look good right now across the league. I, I don't think I've watched a game yet outside. You know, the the Ravens did okay on the Browns the first week, but uh, I mean that was kind of a different thing. But I I don't think I've seen a defense yet that's really dominating and that's probably a function of the offseason more than anything don't you think i just think offenses are ahead it's an offensive driven league they're calling this thing way different now um ooh, it's teams are just ripping it around running up and down the field just kind of scoring that will right now do, do you see any differences in the way that they are officiating games this season maybe that that's that's also you know keeps feeding into the Offensive-driven league? Well, I actually read some things that said they were focusing on the clear and obvious fouls, uh, like the pass interference and the holdings, and it's just been – you haven't seen very many holding penalties offensively. You've seen a ton of pass interference calls, yeah. a ton of a ton of un, um, unsportsmanlike conduct, unnecessary contact to the head, whether it's a quarterback, just, just roughing the passer thing has became – the quarterback has basically became untouchable. Uh, maybe they should put like some flags around them or something. If you pull it, <laughs> it down. Yeah. Well, you know, or like just if you get in his general area, if you get close enough, then you could like a little red light goes off. That way, you know. Uh, maybe it's like if you if you go low, if you go low on the guy, um, it's a um, roughing the passer, 
blow to the knees. If you go too high, it's roughing the passer, blow to the head. If you hit him in the chest, it's roughing the passer, leading with the crown of the helmet. It's, it's becoming virtually impossible. Yeah, I don't know. There's sometimes where they, you know, I'll see you. Sometimes you can see it, an obvious roughing penalty. It's late, you know, hits him, you know, head to head or whatever, and you see that. But sometimes, like, look, if I get knocked to the ground and the quarterback's running away from me, how am I supposed to? Oh, well, I guess I'm out of this play. Like, what am I supposed to do? I guess that's what they want you to do. So, you know, you got to play within the parameters and the rules. But to get back to the Cowboys, you know, just reading some articles this week from some different guys, Jalen Smith, you can just see they're, they're not comfortable. They're, they're making comments saying maybe if we just simplify our game plan a little bit and hone in on the things we do well, um, that these are early signs that they're not comfortable and that there could be a little bit of trouble in paradise. I heard Mike McCarthy say that today, that, you know, maybe, you know, they were too complex and that they were going back. Everson Griffin has said, like, look, I, I tried the, you know, uh, you know, no three-point stance and a two-point stance. I tried that. I'm a three-point stance guy. I'm putting my hand back on the ground, and I'm going to be a pass rusher again. Uh, I haven't uh, heard anything from Tank Lawrence. Of course, he's been dealing with an injury all week. But I would kind of expect that that when he comes back and, and Everson Griffin, that they're going to put their hand on the ground and do what they do well. I, I don't know how you're going to put your hand on the ground when you're playing nine techniques and you got tackles on the inside of you and a nose tackle. And that sounds like they're just going to do their own thing. Sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um, Mike Nolan was hired for a reason. Players should play and coaches should coach. When you start thinking about, you know, saying what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, that's that's not good. It's way too early for that. It's way too early to give up. If that's the case, they may as well just scrap the whole defense and start looking for a new defensive coordinator. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, you you keep saying it. They, they don't look comfortable. They're not, and they've got to simplify. And so we'll see what happens this week because they're they're going to have to do something. Because the way that Russell Wilson is playing and the way the the Chris Carson, those wide receivers, this this is going to be, you know, a shootout. Now, on the other side of it, you know, the, the Seahawks aren't tearing it up on defense either. You know, they're they're not they're not stopping a lot of people. They're just jumping out to bigger leads. Yeah, you know, but they're getting stops in crucial times, they're getting turnovers in crucial times. You know, their offense is kind of leading the way, it's setting the tempo. Um, their offense is on fire right now. They're not turning it over. They're not taking sacks. They're not getting negative plays. And they're jumping out to these huge leads, and the defense just has to hang on. Yeah, and, you know, they, they acquired Jamal Adams, and he's he's looked pretty good for them in the role that he's had. But, but again, they're not – you know, they're, they're giving up points and yards. I, I, think, I think we can expect that, the you know, there's going to be kind of more of the same, that the, the kind of Atlanta game is going to look – do you think it's going to look similar – I mean, provided the Cowboys don't make as many mistakes as they did in the first quarter last week. I don't think I – I think Seattle's defense is does something – one thing well. They don't allow teams to run the ball. You're, you're not just going to run it straight down their throat. So if you're going to beat them, you know, your receivers are going to have to make plays and your quarterback's going to have to make plays. Um, I look to see Seattle, you know, the pass rushers. I think they have some better pass rushers. Their linebackers are better than Atlanta's. I just think overall they have a much more of a winning culture and they expect to win. I don't think Atlanta expected to win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and again, they've got a coach and Pete Carroll who's not, who's, who's, you know, been there and all, all that. They're not going to make those same kind of mistakes. I would think that Atlanta made at the end of that game, which just, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think so at all. I don't think Atlanta's going to get, I mean, I don't think Seattle's going to get outscored 30, 30 to 10 in the second half. 
What do you think that, though, rolling into the, the game offensively, especially with the, the way Dak did, the Cowboys have to feel pretty confident in their ability to play from, from any kind of deficit right now. I mean, I know that they want to fix everything, but was that a confidence thing, especially on offense, that they that they know now that they can they can dig themselves a hole and get out of it? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what's the, the confidence in knowing that you can go down by nineteen points and win, you know, <laughs> except the fact that sometimes things happen your way. But as far as Dallas just has to focus on not turning the ball over and, you know, winning up front, setting the tone and just doing what they do and, you know, establishing an identity on offense and defense. They we don't even really know what they are on offense yet. They got some talented, talented players. We know they have Talented, talented running back. He's got some good offensive line players, a really good quarterback. The same with defense. We know they have a bunch of some some talented guys, some guys that they expect to be real playmakers from. But as far as being able to do it on a consistent basis, we haven't seen that yet. And I think that coming into this game, we just like to establish our identity and start working on and land the foundation for some consistency. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and – and they've run the ball well in the first couple weeks. You know, Zeke hasn't had 100 yards yet, but he's been close. Uh, and I don't know, like, if that's the true measuring stick of how you ran the ball well. But, uh, you know, Dak was great last week, aside from the the fumble. You know, of course, that was – you take out the first quarter and then the way they fell down. And then, you know, offensively, they were fine. Defensive Defense is the issue. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see, you know, how, how they adapt and change each week as they, as they get through it. Do you think – do you think that like they'll, you know, do you think that this, um, do you think there's like any kind of wake up call or alarm bells that go off after that game? Or do you, do you kind of, how do you approach, you know, the bad of that game with the positive moving forward? I think you approach the bad by just accepting what it is and just trying to find a way that, you know, everyone can be on the same page. Everyone can improve and just going into the next game with an open mind and trying to tell yourself, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get a win. I'm going to do whatever it takes. So when we get back on the plane, head back to, to Dallas, Texas, that we're going to be two and one and not one and two. How much of this is the team learning Mike McCarthy right now as well? I don't, I don't, I mean, Mike McCarthy's not going to make any, any tackles, mm-hmm. not going to run the ball, not going to make any blocks. So I don't really, Mike McCarthy's job is during the week to get this team ready to play leading up to the game. I don't know how much of this can be blamed or how much of the credit Mike McCarthy can take for the, what happens on Sunday. Um, obviously his coaches and his coaching staff, um, they put together the game plan. It's on the players to execute it. So you would like to think that they put together an excellent game plan. Um, the energy's there. He has them ready to play. They're well rested. They're hungry, but I guess we're just going to have to wait to see this Sunday. You mentioned a few minutes ago about, you know, players already kind of saying that they're not comfortable and they need to simplify. Uh, how how quickly as a coaching staff do you have to, to rein that stuff in? I mean, almost immediately, right? Or to get everybody comfortable, if they're already saying like two games in, I don't like this, I don't like that, this isn't me, or, or whatever it is. And, and they might be saying that with the blessing of the coaching staff, but it's still disconcerting that after two games, you're, you're kind of like, well, I don't, I don't really like this or fit with this. I mean, you definitely, as a coaching staff, and I know in the front office there, they want to bring players that fit, players that are Dallas Cowboys. And my whole time there, um, to go public and say what you don't like and what you're going to do, and you're basically giving an excuse, justifying why your production or your play isn't or hasn't been where you think it should be or where others think that it should be. 
Yeah, and uh, we talked about this the other day, is that, you know, and you you went through this when you were there. You saw it. Now, for a defensive back, it's a, it's a little bit different a lot of the time, depending on what you are. But, uh, but you know, you were able – it's easy for you to adapt from a 4-3 to a 3-4 because even though you'll have some different assignments, you know, a lot of things that you have to do are the same. But if you're not a 3-4 linebacker or a defensive lineman, then you're going to be out of place. Then they're trying to fit square pegs in a round hole and – good players are going to wind up going some, uh, somewhere else later on because they don't fit what you want to do anymore. I think, um, you know, the only guys that really have to, to change are like DeMarcus, you know, Tyrone. Um, Everson was brought there knowing that they were a 314. So he had a choice to come there. Now, it's, it's a little bit concerning to see after two weeks him saying he's going to put his hand in the dirt because he's this or because he's that. It's like you knew what you were going to be asked to do when you came there. Yeah, I I, I still want like, and I thought like when they signed him, because I was very confused about everything they said about the defense all, you know, all offseason long. And so when they signed Everson Griffin, I thought, okay, well, maybe Mike Nolan is changing what he's doing. Maybe he's adjusting to what they're doing. But then after the first two weeks, I mean, I couldn't tell you what he's trying to do, really. I don't don't really know. It's not working. I thought when they signed him, I thought that he would be near speed. They signed him as a pass rush guy. I thought they would, you know, their their main guys would be Demarcus and Alden. Alden's a guy that has success in the system. Demarcus is a guy that's immensely talented, and you would like to think that he can adapt to anything. I thought that you know they would use Everson on their sub package when they're using four down linemen and more of an even front. Um, they've been in some games where they played a lot of defensive plays, and they've had to use him in some base defense. And I think the deficiencies and the uncomfortable, the uncomfortableness has been exposed. Now, you can handle this two, th- two ways as a player. You can look the challenge in the face, do everything you can to get better, or you can abandon and jump ship and do things your way. Um, I think that if they wanted him to put his hand in the dirt, he would have been putting his hand in the dirt from the beginning. But I may be wrong. They may be telling him, do whatever makes you comfortable. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I do think that, you know, the big issue now also, I mean, injuries – and we're going to talk about injuries every week. And I think the league, I mean, you saw the the rash of injuries through the league that we've seen through the first, you know, two weeks of the season. I, we're going to talk about that. It's going to be kind of a revolving door the whole year. And then what you hope is you have guys that aren't out for the year, you know, like Blake Jarwin, that you're going to get some people back. But, you know, right now in the secondary, Cheeto Wouzier is out for multiple weeks. Uh, Anthony Brown is, is still on IR. We haven't seen him yet, and we won't for another couple weeks. Uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs is dealing with a shoulder injury. So, they, they're about to play, you know, another great receiving duo and another great quarterback without their full allotment in the secondary. Uh, and they're not, ha- they don't have a pass rush yet. I, I just, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. I think it's, I think it's probably going to be, you know, rough on the defense the whole. If you really look at it, when you, when you looked at this team on paper going into training camp, you figured Anthony Brown would be one of your starting corners. Uh, Chido Bay Ozier would be one of your starting corners. And, and your sub package would either be Jordan Lewis or Trayvon Diggs based off of where Trayvon Diggs was drafted. Now you're looking at it and Trayvon Diggs is your top corner. Um, you're going to trot out there, Daryl Worley and Jordan Lewis. And you got to think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really down to my third, fourth and fifth corner. Yeah. At, at best. And you're playing, you know, DK Metcalf the first two weeks has looked like, I mean, the jump he's made. I mean, he was he was pretty good last year as a rookie, but the jump he's made in the offseason looks looks excellent. I mean, he's, he's looked excellent in the first two weeks. And a big body, 
tough to cover, fast and strong. Tyler Lockett, great route runner. Uh, you know, a, a guy who, who's you know fantastic speed as well. That this is this is just a bad matchup all the way across the board for the. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're, they they bringing out one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, a guy that's always has the game under control, a guy that makes great decisions. Um, he's great outside the pocket. He's great inside the pocket. He's got a reliable tight end and Greg Olson, even though he's a little bit older. He's got a very, very reliable offensive line that's keeping him clean. And he's got some good running backs in Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson. Yeah, and look, if they get tired of throwing the ball, the Cowboys haven't shown any penchant for really stopping anything up the middle. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're Seattle's going to have their full assortment of plays, and they're going to go out and in the first fifteen to twenty plays and try out some things and see what they got for tonight. Now, the positive side, and I think people listen to the first part of this podcast are going to be like, "Oh man, this is a scary matchup," and it is. But I, I think it's you know offensively for the Cowboys, I think it's a great matchup for them. I mean, yeah, you mentioned that the. Seattle defense is a little better at stopping the run, but they haven't played Zeke yet either. You know, so again, they, like they've, this is their. They haven't, you know, but they're, they're, the way that they play, they're, from a schematic point, they like to make you one dimensional. So they like to make you pass, and they're going to say, we're going to make you pass it 40 or 50 times, and we're going to force a few turnovers as they did with Cam Newton. That second half interception that Quentin Dunbar made was the, that took all the momentum. That was the whole momentum swinger in the game. <laughs> Yeah, and the more the more you throw it, the more opportunities you're you're gonna have to turn it over. And the Cowboys have not been a team in the past that's you know they like to run the ball. Now it's different. You know they're a three wide team. Things are different now. I uh, I like their chances to be able to score a lot of points. I just don't I just don't know if it comes down to. And I was on a Seahawks podcast yesterday, and he asked me if it's forty to thirty five, and Dak has the ball with two and a half minutes left. Are you confident that he can? you know, lead a touchdown. And I said, absolutely. Yeah, I I do. But if the situation's reversed and it's 40 to 35 Cowboys, can they stop Russell Wilson? I don't think so. My thing is, we're just assuming they scored 39 points on the Falcons. The Falcons, let's not get it. Let's not be, let's not act like the Falcons are world beaters. This is the same team that Seattle did the same thing to. Mm -hmm. Seattle had their game won by the beginning of the third quarter. And they pretty much just, you know, kind of caught the dogs off yeah uh, and, yeah i mean there's there's a difference but yeah but i mean to that question though if it, if the game is if it's a touchdown game and the cowboys are, are coming back i have faith in dak to to score that touchdown. i do and to lead a drive yeah, the I, offensive I score. i think that eventually seattle's got too many good players too many good coaches too much of a good scheme to consistently Week in and week out, give up 40 points, give yeah. up 30 points. Eventually, the, the light's going to click for them. Yeah, and look, they've, they're down some people as well. I mean, they, you know, uh, Bruce Irvin's out, and, you know, you know, obviously you don't have Javavian Clowney back, and you know, that's going to change their pass rush. But they still have, have drafted well. They still have Bobby Wagner, you know, leading the defense. Jamal Adams has been good. So it's different. Like, I, you know, there are some good guys on the Falcons' defense, no, no doubt. But the Seahawks have really been there and done that a lot longer. Yeah, I think the two teams aren't even in the same stratosphere. Um, I can't even think. The Seattle trots out a rookie corner and a second-year corner that looks like a rookie corner. They trot out a safety in Keanu Neal who's coming off injury and another one in Ricardo Allen who's coming off injury, opposed to Seattle trotting out Jamal Adams and 
Trayvon Diggs, not Trayvon Diggs, um, Quandre Diggs, I'm sorry, yeah. and Quandre Diggs. And then they have Quinn Dunbar, a tall, long corner who's shown he's a playmaker, and Shaquille, Shaquille Griffin, another long corner who's shown he's a playmaker. Yeah, and I would, you know, I'm just looking at, the, you know, just looking at the roster right now, the only place that they're, that they're probably really down from where they were before is is at the pass rushers uh, on the on the edges. You know, up the middle, you know, Reed and Ford, both good players. Uh, like you mentioned, can stop the run. Wagner, K.J. Wright, good linebacker. So they're all right all over the field, except, you know, they're not getting after the passer like they did before. But, you know, part of that might just be matchups. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's the beginning of the season. Everybody's got to get back comfortable, get back in their groove, get the repetition back. And, you know, we'll see this weekend. I look to see both teams make a step defensively. I don't look to see a 35 to 40 game. I look to see, you know, Seattle runs it, controls the clock a little bit. I think Dallas will put it on the ground and control the clock a little bit. Yeah. And, and that would probably be the best strategy knowing that what, what could happen if you decide to try to get into shootout early. Yeah, I don't. I've, I've never been in a game where we said, "Hey, we're gonna just be going to be a shootout." Yeah, I've, I've never been a part of that game. I've never even heard that theory. Um, maybe they use it in college. Maybe they're using it now. But I've never heard a theory that say, "All right, we're going to get into a shootout." So you, I mean, the the Cowboys will approach the game. Like they're not. I mean, they're obviously you know you got to be ready for all things that happen. But the the game plan isn't like the best thing that we can do is 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 throw the ball over the field. It's going to be let's try to control the clock so that. Russell Wilson doesn't get an opportunity to throw the ball over the field. I mean, I, I would have to say in offense, you know, you want to control the, uh, you want to protect the ball, um, went up front, control the front seven, end all drives and scores or kicks. Yeah. So you want to end all drives and touchdowns, field goals or punts, no turnovers. You don't want to give up no short fields. I do want to ask you about this, your opinion on this. So uh, last year, the Cowboys were one and six in, in one possession games. A lot of that fell to Dak, at least in the public's eye. How much of that is on Dak? How much was that on the fact that the Cowboys had a really inconsistent kicker last year? Now they got Greg Zerline that that appears to have have helped that problem at least greatly so far. Uh, I mean, he missed one kick and it was a long one. But uh, how much do you think that Dak bears in those kind of situations where it's a one possession? I think he looks forward to those situations. I think you know any any player, any competitor wants to be in those pressure pack situations. And a lot of those situations when you missing makeable kicks, you know, that's never going to end well. Yeah. I always thought that was an unfair thing of saying like, Oh, well he's, you know, Dak is one and six in these one possession games. Like, well, if he gets you down, you know, you're down by a field goal and you tell him like, like we at least got to get a field goal and he gets you to the 30 yard line. And then your kicker goes out and misses it. And I don't really think that that's on Dak. I mean, it's on everybody. I don't yeah. think games aren't games aren't yeah. won on the last drive. There's so much that happens in, uh, leading up to that last drive with these games. Games aren't won on the last drive. See, that's, that's really that's really really unfair to even yeah put that out there. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm but like one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up is I wanted you to to tell our listeners, the people who may listen to this, and be like, ah, oh, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. But man, it's not like the, the if the game was only supposed to be you know one drive back and forth and see if you can do it, then it wouldn't be 60 minutes. Absolutely. You know, couldn't have, couldn't have said it better. <laughs> like, okay, let's go. We got five minutes to do this. Let's see what happens. No, it's Absolutely. 60 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a full game. All right. Orlando, um, thoughts about like thoughts of things. You're going to look at the game early. If the Cowboys are, if you know, will you be able to tell early on if the Cowboys are, are, I, I'm trying to say it the right way, but do you look at a game early and go, okay, this is a good one for the Cowboys or this is going to be rough. Like the way they play. 
No, I think it's got to be a 60-minute game. Mm-hmm. They were in a rough game. They turned over four times in the first half, and they ended up winning. Yeah. They played, they played. It took them 60 complete minutes to win that game. They didn't lead for not a single second in that game, and they still won. And that's that's a sign of resilience. Yeah. All right, Orlando Skandrick, always, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. And uh, we'll talk again on Monday as we recap it. This is Believe in the Cowboys podcast on the Believe Entertainment Network, the network for professional podcasters. I'm Paul Catalina. That's Orlando Skandrick, former Cowboys cornerback. Please like and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.